say good morning to all of you. I want to welcome our campuses at Mill Creek and Lanier and welcome those who are watching online and those who will be watching by television. We're thrilled to have you with us. And let me just encourage you, if you live anywhere in the Atlanta area, we do have three campuses. And I want to encourage you to go online, find out the campus closest to you, come check out what God is doing and the great things that's happening in our church. You know, you ask Americans what their favorite holiday is, and a whopping 46% will tell you it's Christmas. Now, to put that in comparison, 19% say Thanksgiving, 9% say Halloween, and 5% say the 4th of July. And I want to be honest, Christmas Day is not just my favorite holiday, but I'll be, and I don't mind telling you, I'm a kid, and it is my absolute favorite day of the year, but for a different reason. When I was a kid, it was my favorite day of the year because of what I would get. Now it's my favorite day of the year because it's the one day of the year that my entire family gets together. Um, I got the kids, I got the grandkids, we're all together, we exchange gifts, we laugh, we poke fun at each other, we eat together, and, and it's just, I, I cannot tell you, I literally soak in that day because there's nothing greater than having my family gather around me. It just doesn't get any better than that. Now, having said that, let me be honest, I don't know about you, my least favorite day of the year is December 26th. Because I know, and this is just the way I am, I am a Christmas dude all the way up to a midnight Christmas day. And then at midnight Christmas day, my mindset is this, it's over. And i got to start thinking about taking down all the decorations, all the ornaments, and I've got to go swap what I got for what I wanted. And i, I got to fight the clouds, and i got to gear up, and I know it's going to be about a week, and i got to go back to sermon preparation and emails and appointments and books, and meetings, and speaking, and, and frankly, I've always felt bad for my youngest son, Joshua, because you don't know this, but his birthday is on the 26th of December, and Teresa purposely, by the grace of God, was able to hold off, because we didn't want him to be born on Christmas Day, or Christmas Eve, so he was born on the 26th, and quite frankly, it's just really hard for us, we try to celebrate his birthday, but we're still kind of hungover from Christmas, and so I, you know, and, and I'm just not really in the mood to celebrate anything, because think about it. On Christmas Day, it's jingle bells, and the day after Christmas, it's juggling bills, right? I mean, someone put it this way, Christmas is when Santa comes down the chimney and our money goes down the drain. I mean, you know, we, we go from the gladdest day of the year to the saddest day of the year. We go from singing carols to singing the blues. And so I, I ask myself the question that I want to answer over the next couple of weeks, and that is, is it really possible? that we don't truly experience Christmas. I mean, you check it out. The mood at the malls will be totally different on Christmas Eve than it is the day after Christmas. It's amazing. You know, I, I, I can't explain it, but everybody seems to be a lot nicer during the Christmas season. But it seems like the 26th, we kind of turn everything off, everything goes back to dark, and we kind of go being our old, crabby, cranky selves. And I really believe there's a big difference, I do, between enjoying the Christmas season and experiencing the Christmas reason. And maybe it is true that the vast majority of people around the world who enjoy Christmas until it's over don't truly experience Christmas. Now you say, well, where in the world would you get an idea like that? Well, it's from the very first Christmas that was ever celebrated. We're in a series that we're calling in Entourage. And what we're doing is we're looking at Christmas through three groups of people, three groups of individuals who were the pioneers of celebrating Christmas. They were the first 
Christmas celebrators, and I believe they set the standard on how Christmas really ought to be experienced. And today we're going to look at the very first Christmas celebration that ever took place. Matter of fact, when I was working on this message several weeks ago, I googled first Christmas celebration, and I was kind of amazed at what I found. For the first 300 years of Christianity, Christmas was not celebrated. December the 25th was just another day. Now, of course, there was no malls, there was no shopping, there was no Christmas carols. There was really nothing about Christmas for 300 years. And then, in an old inscription found in a list of Roman bishops, these words appear. 25 December, Natus Christus in Bethlehem, Judea. Now, translated in English, that says, December the 25th, Christ born in Bethlehem, Judea. And historians now tell us that history says that the first recorded Christmas celebration or mention of Christmas we know in history was December the 25th, 336 A.D. Now, technically, that may be the first celebration of Christmas for the church, but it isn't the first Christmas celebration ever recorded. For that, we have to turn to a book in the Bible called Luke. And if you brought a copy of God's Word or you use a smartphone or an iPad or whatever electronic device you use, I want you to turn to the Gospel of Luke. It's an easy book to find. It's in the New Testament, and, and so the Bible's divided up in the Old and New Testament. In the New Testament, you start off with four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And today we're in Luke chapter 2. Now, many of you have heard this story. If you've never even read your Bible, you've heard this story. You've heard it sung about. You've probably heard it read to children. You, many of you could tell the story by memory. And today we're going to focus specifically on the first human being that ever got to experience the very first Christmas in real time. And the ones who are given that privilege make this story even more amazing. Let me want you to understand this. If, 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 if the Son of God was being born today, and you knew the Son of God was being born today, and you worked for a PR firm, and your PR firm was given the task of announcing to the world the birth of this baby, you definitely would not have chosen the group that was chosen in this story. We're going to pick up here in Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now, again, today, if you're going to make a splash, if you're going to make sure the news got out, if you were going to trend on social media, if you wanted everything to go viral, if you wanted to make sure it got on Facebook and Twitter, you would target who? You'd target the high rollers. You'd target the influential. You'd tar target the politically powerful. You would target the movers and the shakers. Well, 2,000 years ago, you would have said, okay, who needs to be invited to this party? You would have started with the high priest because the high priest was the religious leader of the entire nation of Israel. And then you would have invited the chief priest and the scribes because they were the leading scholars in the nation of Israel. And then you would have brought together the Sanhedrin because they were the Jewish Supreme Court. There were 70 members, and they were very greatly respected. You would have brought in the Pharisees because they were the most respected teachers of the law. But shepherds? Let, let me put it to you this way. When you think about shepherds, you think Budweiser, not Champagne. When you think about shepherds, you think bumblebee tuna, not Russian caviar. You, you, you think blue, bluegrass and country, not orchestras and opera. You think Charlie Daniels, not Celine Dion. Okay, I mean, they were on the lowest rung of the social ladder. 
They were poorly educated, poorly paid. They were minimum wage workers, no education, very little skill was required to be a shepherd. That's why even little children, even boys like a David could be a shepherd. They, they, and, and the religious crowd despised them because they worked seven days a week. They rarely attended simple uh, temple services. They never observed the Sabbath. They didn't give any money because they didn't have any money to give. In other words, nobody wanted their daughters to marry a shepherd. That was just almost the kiss of death. They were dirty. They were sweaty. They smelled like sheep. They were crude. They were ill-mannered. They were so disdained, they were barred from public office. They were so disrespected. Listen to this. They could not testify in a court of law. Their witness was no good because people thought you couldn't believe anything that they said. That's why often when you see pictures of the nativity in, 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 in you know, portraits and in sculptures and things like that, you'll see Mary and you'll see Joseph and you'll see the baby and you'll see angels and you might even see cattle and sheep and you may see some wise men, but you'll rarely ever see shepherds. As a matter of fact, the media darlings were the Magi. That's who we talked about last week because they were really photogenic. They were dressed in royalty. They rode those big magnificent camels. They brought all those expensive gifts. And now we're talking about shepherds. Let, let me let you in on a secret. This is personal experience. If you're ever asked to be in a Christmas play, and they ask you to be the shepherd. What they're saying to you is, keep your day job. Don't even think about going to Hollywood. I mean, I, I'm just being honest. When I, I think I've told you, when I was in third grade, we had a big Christmas play. And uh, I, I wanted to be Joseph. Everybody wants to be Joseph, right? So I, I wanted to be Joseph. And I tried out for Joseph. I got the job of the shepherd. You know how many words I said? I still hadn't said anything. Not a word. You know, I, I, I felt like I, I was reminded, I read a story the other day. I love this story. I read a story about a boy, that little boy, and he was in the third grade, and he wanted to try out for the Christmas play. And he wanted to be Joseph. Well, he didn't get the job of Joseph. He got the job of the innkeeper. And so they said to him, uh, now, this is your part in the play. They said, Joseph's going to knock on your door, and you're going to open the door, and Joseph is going to say, uh, can we come in? Is there any room in the inn? And all you do is shake your head no. He said, you mean I don't even get to say a word? He said, nope, you can't say anything. All you do is just shake your head no. Well, this kid is fiend. I mean, he's hot. He's really livid. He goes home and tells his mom and dad, he says, I don't even want to be in the play. I don't get to say anything. They said, nope, you're going to do a good job. You just go do what they tell you to do. Well, this kid was just so angry and so mad. So the day of the play came, and the gym is packed out. All the parents are there. Everybody's taking pictures and shooting video. And this kid's still ticked off. So they get to the part in the play, and Joseph knocks on the door. And the kid opens the door, and Joseph says, is there any room in the inn? And the kid goes, sure, come on in. Now, that's kind of how I felt. You know, I just I kind of felt that way. I mean, I, I, I was the job of the shepherd. And yet, here's the least likely candidate. Here would be the last people you'd ever invite to the first Christmas party. They get front row seats. Why? Because I believe they experience Christmas the way it ought to be experienced. We're going to pick up the story in verse 9. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. 
And today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now here they are, here are these shepherds in this dark, pitch black night, minding their own business, tending their sheep, and the sky explodes in celestial brilliance and an angel of the Lord appears with the greatest announcement ever made in the history of the world. And who in the world is he talking to? He's talking to shepherds. We don't even know their names. We are never even told who they are. Back after this story is over, you never see them again. They're never heard from again. And yet here they are at the very top of the guest list, invited to the birth of the Son of God and to the very first Christmas. Why do you think God did it that way? Why do you think Luke wanted to make sure that we knew about these shepherds? Why do you think this story is even in the Bible? Here's why. Because what you're going to see is the way they experienced Christmas is the way we ought to experience Christmas. And what they did with the good news of Christmas is what we ought to do with the good news of Christmas. Because I really believe this. I'm convinced of this more than anything about Christmas I've thought about in a long time. You cannot truly enjoy Christmas until you really experience Christmas. And they're going to show us today exactly how to do that. Because number one, just like these shepherds, we should be expecting God's presence. Just like these shepherds, we should be expecting God's presence. Now, the story gets off to a rocky start. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Let me ask you a question. Wouldn't you be? I mean, you're a shepherd out here, pitch black, every night's boring. It's the same old, same old, same old, same old. And all of a sudden, on this nice, quiet, dark night, Peace and calm is everywhere, just another boring night, and then literally there's this explosion of light. The word there for shown, the word there when it says in the angel and the glory of the Lord shown, that word shown is only used one other time in the New Testament, and it refers to a light that was so bright and so piercing, it literally knocked a man off his horse. I mean, we're talking about a, we're talking about a firecracker on steroids. And literally it says, translated it says, they feared a great fear. In other words, when this happened, they were frightened out of their minds. And that's why the next words are so important. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Now, the way the shepherds reacted was normal, but it really wasn't necessary. Let me tell you why. On many occasions, we're told throughout the scripture that if we refuse God, and we reject God, we ought to fear God. We ought to fear the judgment of God. We ought to fear the anger of God. We ought to fear the wrath of God. But the angels looking at these shepherds who, by the way, as we've already said, rarely ever got to go to the temple, rarely ever got to go to church, and yet he says to them, you don't need to fear. Now, there's, that tells us something. That tells me something. These shepherds evidently were very devout men. They were Jewish men who had been raised in Jewish homes, and they did not have to fear the angel because they revered God. And we know this from verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this. Now, this is an important word. You wouldn't know this. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now, when you're reading that, you go, that's, a, that's important. Oh, that's a big word. That's an important word. 
Because what that word literally translated means is not seen. What that word literally translated says is word or message. Think about it this way. Let's see this message. Let's see this word that has happened. Wait a minute. What word are you talking about? What message are you talking about? Well, remember, they were Jewish men raised in Jewish homes. They had been raised talking about the Old Testament. They, their parents had taught them the Old Testament from the time that they were children. And they had taught these men evidently, hey, one day God's going to send a deliverer for the Jewish people. He is going to send a Messiah. Because the angel has just announced to these shepherds what the scribes and the prophets and the Jewish nation had been looking for for hundreds and thousands of years. Because remember, from the time that Adam and Eve had sinned in the Garden of Eden, God made a promise. God said, I'm going to send someone to create, to correct the problem that you created. I'm going to send someone to solve the problem you brought into this world. You brought sin into this world. I'm going to bring a Savior into this world. And I have made a promise to you. I'm going to keep it. I will send a Savior for the world. I will send a Messiah for the Jewish people. And all of a sudden, these shepherds are now realizing, wow, God has kept his promise. Why did they believe that? Because they were expecting God to keep his promise. They were expecting God to show up. They didn't know when. They didn't know where. They didn't know how. But they lived on a daily expectation. God is going to keep his promise, and God is going to show up. Let me tell you something. If there's anything the Christmas story ought to teach you, ought to teach you this. God doesn't show up just on Christmas Day. God shows up every day. I want to tell you something. Every day you ought to get out of bed. I do. We ought to get out of our bed every morning expecting God to show up in our life. We ought to get up every day expecting God to lead us and guide us and direct us and walk beside us and walk in front of us and to walk behind us. We ought to go everywhere believing that God is with us because remember we just sang that song. What was the name the angel gave Jesus? What was it? Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. You ought to get up every day and say, Lord, I believe this with all of my heart. I don't care where I go. I don't care how long I stay. I don't care when I get back. I know you are going to be with me. God is not just with us on Christmas. God's with us every day. God is with us every moment. God is with us everywhere. And like these shepherds, we ought to be expecting God's presence 24-7. See, that's why in my heart, I can sing Christmas carols every day of the year. Because in a real sense, if Jesus is who he said he was, if he is Emmanuel, if he is God with us, then for the believer, every day is Christmas Day. Because God is with us. So, if we're going to celebrate Christmas the right way, we ought to be expecting God's presence. But watch this. Like the shepherds, we should be trusting God's protection. Now, what I'm going to show you, I, this is my favorite part of this sermon. I always have a favorite part of every sermon. I know what your favorite part is when I say let's bow and pray. But I have a favorite part in every message, okay? This is my favorite part. Let me tell you why. I'm going to share with you something I've never thought about until I prepared this message. I've never thought about it, never, never entered into my mind. And, and, and when I finally realized it, and finally, and then I went back, kind of did my homework, said, yep, that's, that's what other, other, other Bible scholars say. I thought, you know, I've never seen that before. Listen, the angel makes this announcement that Jesus has been born. And the angelic hallelujah choir sings this beautiful song about glory to God and favor to men. But now the sky has gone dark. 
and the angelic song has echoed into silence. Okay, so the angel's gone. There's no more music. There's no more lights. Back to dark. Back to the kind of same old, same old. Now, what happens next? All right, listen to this. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. And let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Now, let me tell you something that's very unusual about that. I bet you many of you have never thought about this before. I've never thought about it. If there's any doubt that these shepherds were devout men and any doubt that they were looking for the Messiah, this ought to alleviate that because, remember, the angel did not specifically command them to go find the child. He just told them how they could find the child. And yet, the moment that angel makes that announcement, they can't wait to find him. We're told here they hurried off. Now, don't miss, don't, don't miss what that says. What that literally means is they ran like scalded dogs. They were, they were, they were not running a marathon. They were running a 100-yard Day. Now, that wasn't easy for people back then because, remember, they weren't, wearing, they weren't wearing Nike or Under Armour. I mean, they're wearing these long, flowing robes and tunics. Uh, they're not wearing Air Jordans. I mean, they're, they're in sandals or they're going barefoot. And what the picture is is this. This angel breaks out in light. He makes this announcement. The, choir, the angelic choir sings. They go dark. They go dim. Everything goes black. And all of a sudden, they throw down their rods, and they throw down their shepherds, and they take off. Now, let me show you something. What's wrong with that picture? Well, remember, they're what? They're shepherds. And there was one thing everybody respected about shepherds. You know what that was? Their devotion to their sheep. So great that a good shepherd would do what for his sheep? Die for his sheep. A good shepherd would die for a sheep. There's one thing a shepherd would never do. He'd never leave his flock. You would be disgraced. You could get fired. You could go to jail for leaving your flock unattended. And, but, but, but wait a minute. They've got this announcement. They want to go see the baby. So who's going to volunteer to stay behind and watch the sheep? I'll tell you this. I ain't. I'm going to see that kid. Nobody volunteered. Nobody wanted to stay behind. There were no volunteers that night because you know why? Nobody was going to miss this Christmas. So that raises a big question. How in the world could those shepherds not only leave their only source of income, but do something that could get them fired, get them jailed, and get them to lose the respect of their friends and family for the rest of their life? There's only one explanation, only one. Evidently, these shepherds really, really believed that they could leave their sheep under God's protection and they could leave their sheep in God's care. And let me tell you why I know they believe that. If God could send the Savior of the world and God could send the Messiah of the Jewish nation, do you think God can take care of a flock of sheep? Do you think God can handle that? In other words, here's the lesson I want you to learn. Listen to this. A God that can guide shepherds to a manger and guard their sheep can also guide us and guard us as we go through life. If he can take care of the shepherd, he can take care of us. If he can handle a flock of sheep for them, he can handle anything for us. And these shepherds realize that finding Jesus is more important than keeping sheep. Finding Jesus is more important than making money. 
Finding Jesus is more important than the cars that you can buy and the clothes that you can wear and the jewelry you can put on. Finding Jesus is more important than climbing that corporate ladder. Finding Jesus is more important than getting that college degree. They realize there is nothing more important than finding Jesus. And you know what they finally realized? They realized finally they were keeping watch over their sheep, but while they were keeping watch over their sheep, God was keeping watch over them. Hear me. Do you know who is the source of everything you have? Somebody tell me. Who's the source of everything you have? God is. Who is the supply of everything you have? Who is the security of everything you have? Who is the safety of everything you have? God is. And they finally realized and they said, you know what? We can trust God with these sheep. We can trust God with everything we have. Job said it well. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And as you're going to see in just a moment, those shepherds were never the same after that night. They never saw those sheep the same after they night, that night. They never saw themselves the same way after that night. They never saw what they did for a living the same way after that night. And I promise you, I guarantee you this, it's not in the story, but I know it's true. I don't know how long they were gone. I don't know when they got back, but I'll tell you what, when they got back, you know what they found? Every sheep accounted for. Not one had wandered off because the, while they thought they were watching the sheep, God was watching over them. And now they realize that, you know what? We've been living all of our life thinking we were watching over God's sheep we were, or, or our sheep. We weren't watching over our sheep. We weren't even watching over our master's sheep. We were watching over God's sheep. Let me give you some good news. That car that you drive, it's not your car, it's God's car. That house you live in, it's not your house, it's God's house. The clothes that you wear, that, that's, that's not your clothes, that's God's clothes. The paycheck you drew last week, that's not your paycheck, that's God's paycheck. It all belongs to Him. Everything belongs to Him. And He keeps watch, keeps watch over all of it. And now they knew, just as they kept watch over their sheep by night, somebody was keeping watch over them day and night. And they said, we can trust him for anything. See, when you really experience Christmas, you trust God's protection. You expect God's presence. And then like those sheep, when we celebrate Christmas, we'll be celebrating God's provision. Celebrating God's provision. Now listen to this. After these shepherds experienced the real deal Christmas, the real baby in the manger, the real God in the flesh, I want you to notice what they did. They celebrated in two ways, right? First of all, they celebrated by their witness, verse 17. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Now, it's amazing to me. Once they come and meet that child, do they go back and throw their own little private party and say, wasn't that a great time? Can you believe what we got to do? Can you believe how God so favored us? No. When they saw the Son of God and they experienced Christmas for the very first time, they began to spread this very specific message because we're told they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Well, what had been told them about this child? This. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, remember, these are illiterate men. They're not educated. Maybe, probably, couldn't even sign their own name. 
certainly not the kind of men that you would expect to spread a message about anything to anybody, and yet we're just told <coughs> that they became the first evangelist in the history of the church. They became the first witnesses in the history of the church. Now, how do you explain that? It's real simple. When you behold Christmas, really behold Christmas, and when you believe what happened at Christmas, when you really believe God has sent the Savior, God has sent the Messiah, God has sent the Lord of the universe. Listen to me carefully. You cannot sit on the sidelines. You cannot keep that to yourself. You cannot treat it like a secret. You cannot keep the news under wraps. Because the moment you finally see Jesus and accept Jesus and follow Jesus, you can't keep Jesus to yourself. You cannot remain silent. You cannot close your lips. You have to open your mouth. You have to do it. So I want to give you an assignment. This is your homework. Now, this is only if you truly believe in Christmas. I'm not talking about Santa. I'm not talking about Frosty. I'm not talking about Rudolph. I'm not talking about any of the elves. I'm not talking about, you know, the North Pole. I'm not talking about that Christmas. I'm talking about the real deal Christmas. I'm talking about the Christmas the angels announced. I'm talking about the Christmas that was so exciting to these shepherds. They did something they never thought they would do. They totally left their sheep to go and see this little child. If you really believe in that Christmas, here's what I want you to do, okay? In your order of worship, as I should have gotten one, you receive these, these note cards. You can take notes, okay? All right? Some of you do. Some of you don't. Doesn't matter to me whether you do or not. That's irrelevant to me. Here's what I do want you to do. I want you to take that little card out right now, that little connection card. I want you to take that card out or this, this note card right now. I want you to take this out. Here's what I want you to do. <clears throat> I want you right now. I don't, you, you'll have to think about it. It'll come. Boom, boom, boom. I want you to write down the names of three people in your life. Three people. Maybe they're co-workers. Maybe they're next-door neighbors. Maybe they're family members. Maybe they're old roommates. But I want you to write down the name of three people. And what I really want you to write down is the, are the name of three people that you know either do not know Jesus or they're not really connected to any church whatsoever. They don't know the Jesus that you know or they certainly don't attend church anywhere that like, like, like we do. Here's what I want you to do. On this note section right now, I want you to write down the names of those people. Now, you say, have to be honest. Well, I, I can't even think of three names. Well, first of all, that's, that's pretty sad if you can't. And if you can't, then here's your assignment. Before this day is over, you ask God to lay three names in your heart. Now, I want you to write down the three names on this card. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Every day between now and our Christmas Eve services, we're going to have four, one, three, five, and seven. Every day between now and Christmas Eve, A, I want you to pray for them every day. So you just keep, keep, this, keep this on your desk, keep it at your bedside table, keep it on your kitchen counter. But I want you to write down those three names, and I want you to pray for those three names every day. Then I want you to take an opportunity to invite them to our Christmas Eve service, okay? Now, in your worship guide, Everyone should have received one of these invite cards, all right? So you, there are extra copies, by, uh, extra copies in the lobby at the guest service desk. We've also got some, some, some door hangers. Uh, what I simply want you to do is go to those three people at least. You can give them more, but I want you to go to those three people. And look, it's, this is so easy. Just hand them the card. 
and just say, you know, I don't know what you're doing Christmas Eve. I would love to invite you to be my guest. We've got four times. I'll try to work around my schedule where you can go with me. One, three, five, and seven. Now, look, what I just asked you to do, everybody can do. Kids can do it. Teenagers can do it. Old people can do it. Young people can do it. Democrats can do it. Republicans can do it. Conservatives can do it. Liberals can do it. I'm trying to cover the gamut, okay? Everybody can do it. And if everybody can do it, everybody should do it. So I'm asking every one of you, write down at least three names of people that you know that need, that you can invite, and then make sure you give them this card. All right, that's one way we do it. They celebrated Jesus by their witness. Now, there's one other way they celebrated um, God's provision, not just by their witness, but by their worship. Listen to verse 20. The shepherds returned. And what were they doing? They were glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, in the Greek language, that's not in the past tense, that's in the present tense. In other words, it means continuous action. It doesn't mean, well, they glorified God for a few minutes and just kind of went back to the way they used to live. They were always glorifying God. They were always praising God. In other words, this is not something they just did on Christmas Day. This is something they did every day of the year. And that's why I want us to study these shepherds, because the way they experienced Christmas is the way we ought to experience Christmas. Christmas Day ought to lead us for the next 365 days to glorify God, to praise God, and to share God. Listen, Christmas is more than celebrating the birth of Jesus. It is celebrating the Jesus who was born. And that's something we can do every day of the year. So let me just close with this. How many of you remember song we used to do, don't do it much anymore, but we used to do a praise song called Here I Am to Worship. How many of you remember that song we used to sing? Remember that beautiful song, Here I Am to Worship. Tim Hughes is the Adobe Award-winning songwriter who wrote that beautiful song, Here I Am to Worship. And that song came out of what he said is one of the greatest lessons in worship he had ever learned in his life. He spent a year in South Africa. And he spent that year working with kids when he was just 18 years old. And he said he was in this congregation. It was called the Prince of Peace Congregation in Durban, South Africa. He said it was a very, very poor area and a very, very poor church filled with very, very poor people. He said he never will forget when he went in there for that very first worship service. He said he was so discouraged and he was so disheartened and he was so depressed. He said he walked into this makeshift building. He said there were no drums. Some of you say amen to that. He said there were no drums. There were no keyboards. There were no amps. There were no musical instruments of any kind. They didn't even have a sound system. And he said he looked out at that empty building, that empty place they were doing meeting, and he thought, how on earth are we going to worship with no drums, no keyboards, no instruments, no amps, no sound system? How on earth are we going to worship? He said when people came in and they started that worship service, he said that place was filled with beautiful melodies. And these believers began to sing just out of the overflow of their hearts. He said, I could not believe how rich and how beautiful the worship was. There was no music whatsoever, none, zero. It was all a cappella. He said, I could not believe how rich and beautiful. He said, some of the greatest worship I've ever heard in my life. And he said, I'm here in a place where 
Poverty is everywhere, and disease is everywhere, and despair is everywhere. And I'm having and enjoying the greatest worship service of my life. And he said, I finally realized nothing could rob these Christians of the joy they found in knowing Jesus. Now listen to this. He said, I learned a lesson that day I will never, ever forget. And I want to tell you, when I read the lesson that he learned, it's one of the greatest statements I've ever read in my life. And it's going to, by the way, what I'm about to show you should change some hearts in this room. And I'll just leave it right there. Listen to what he said. Worship isn't about music. It's about Jesus. Worship isn't about music. So it doesn't matter what style it is. It doesn't matter what genre it is. It's irrelevant. Worship isn't about music. It's about Jesus. Christmas is not about the trinkets. It's not about the toys. It's not about the trees. It is all about Jesus. And when you realize that, you'll experience Christmas every day in the right way. Let's pray together.